Amen. Come on, give God one more big hand like he's worthy. Amen. Praise God. You know, as Todd was uh, receiving the tithe and offering and just sharing that scripture and, you know, and talking about how we're, we're doing it all together. You know, it's really important, and, and we're believing God that at some, some point in, in every individual's life, you know, that, that, that comes to the garden, that at some point they, they stop showing up and they start hooking up. You know, it, it's really important that we connect with each other and that we connect with God, that we connect with his purpose and we connect with his plan. And, and then, of course, the next step is to commit. You know, we move from being connected to being committed. How do you know there's a big difference there, too? You know, going to shift from being connected to being committed, and all of a sudden stuff changes because stuff that used to keep you from something now no longer matters. You know, when, when, you take something, uh, uh, when you take something new on, you do realize that you have to take something old out. Right? You've you, you got to make room. And, and uh, uh, you know, in, in the schedule, you know, you're going you're gonna to launch into something new. Well, something's going to give. You know, you can't just keep adding to it because uh, pretty soon you just have so much stuff going on that you can't do any of it and do it well. You, you have to, there's, you know, you just reach a point. And when, you, when, you're, when you're transitioning from being connected to being committed, there's some things that you're pushing out so that you can make room for some new things that God's called you into, right? And, and, and from being, uh, you know, from being committed we 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 want to move ourselves to a place where we're being completed and where we're completing each other that our lives and 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 the work that god's doing in us is gets bigger than us and all of a sudden it's spilling out and it's impacting other lives and we're bringing stuff to the table that nobody else has and and life gets better you know the relationships how many realize that relationships get better You know, that, that, that's God's design for a relationship, that it would get stronger, that it, that it would get better, right? If your relationships aren't getting better, it's because you're not doing it God's way. Testing, one, two. If, if relationships are crumbling and if, they're, if, they're, if you're feeling separation, it's because you're doing it your way. You know, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end doesn't work out very well. Right. And, uh, uh, you, you know, when when you're doing it right, it, it, it's not a it's not competing. It's completing. It's it's bringing life. You bring you know, it's a it's a life giving thing. And, and when that occurs, all of a sudden, you know, you find that you, you shift right into the realm of being compelling. Your life is compelling. And, and you, you, you know, it, it, it draws people. You don't you don't have to walk around with a, you know, big, fat family size King James Bible. You you are you are. You know, the word become flesh and your life just begins to to demonstrate the the greatness of our God. And and, and that, uh, you know, you're walking through situations just like everybody else. But the, the reality is, is that uh, you, the stuff that used to trip you up now, all of a sudden you just stepping right on top. You, you, you know, what's really odd is how many people uh, that used to struggle with something. Now they look back and they realize it's not even an issue and they hadn't even noticed. Huh? You know, it used to knock you down, and, and now you haven't even thought about it in months, and, and, it's, and you got victory there, and you, you haven't even paid attention. You know, and, and that's what we're talking about. We're, we're talking about the grace of God that's uh, enabling you to do what you couldn't do when you were living without it. And having a life, a victorious life, having more life than death, more joy than sorrow, more peace than chaos, more hope than despair, more provision than lack, more health than sickness. Come on, somebody. That's the life that God's calling us to. 
And, you know, and you find that, you, you, you find that in order to get that life, to really experience that life. You've, you, you can't stay, you know, in, in a chair of compromise. Remember the three chairs. The first chair is commitment. The second chair is compromise. The third chair, the third chair, man, that's just conflict. That's complacent. That's, that's at war with God. You know, just a rejection of God. And I'm praying that there ain't nobody in the room today that's in that chair. But if you're in that chair where you've just rejected God, I, I just want to challenge you today. And, and with as much compassion as I can say to you, get out that chair. Because yeah, the longer you stay in that chair, the harder it is to get out. Because you made so many crazy statements against God that pretty soon in order to serve God, you have to... We're talking about a real humbling process because of the things that you've said and the actions you've lived. And Get out of that third chair. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, move from the third chair. Don't, don't stay there. <laughs> Amen. In order, in order to move, you know, in order to move from any chair, in order to make any transition, in order to move from being connected to committed, from committed to completed, from completed to complete, in order to shift... You, you have to develop an appetite that you didn't have before. You have, there has to be something that, that you've embraced that will empower you to make that shift. You know, in order to get to the place that God wants you to be, you'll have to have an appetite for things that you didn't have before and because that's what it's going to take to sustain you. You remember, and, you know, Wednesday night we talked about this a little bit, but you remember when God was leading his people out of bondage, every time they made a shift, he changed their diet. They had been eating, you know, in the land of bondage, they had been eating leeks and garlic and onions, and, 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 uh, and there was never enough, and, and they, they were in slavery there, and, and all they had were leeks, garlics, and onion. How many of you know that when you get around somebody that's been eating leeks, garlic, and onion, all they got to do is open their mouth, and you know what they've been feeding on? Right? They just start talking. You go, whoa, I know where you live. <laughs> and uh, uh, you just wish they'd be more quiet and write you notes and uh, text message me. You know, <laughs> don't, don't talk directly to me. Just, you know. and, 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 you know, what's crazy is that all you have to do is open your mouth and we can tell where you've been living. Because what comes out is negativity. What you talk about is how mean people have been, how you've been mistreated and how your boss isn't for you and how they should have done that and how, how hurt you've been and how disappointed you've been. As if you're the only one on the planet that's ever experienced any kind of setback. I think most of us in the room, if we, if we had any desire to, we don't. But if we had a desire, we could testify about how rough life can be. But that's not what's coming out of our mouth, is it? Right? Because, uh, because we, we made a shift. You know, you need to make a shift from that. And, and when God brought them out of there, remember all of a sudden they started getting up every morning. The manna had fallen from heaven and they'd go out every morning and they'd scoop up a bunch of manna and they'd bring that in. And, 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 uh, and that was from the land of not enough to the land of just enough. Cause, you know, with manna you couldn't store it. If you, in the morning, what you'd picked up yesterday, in the morning it'd be all wormy and mealy and you couldn't, you couldn't eat it. So you had to, you, you had to go out every day and get just enough for the day. And, and manna, the, Hebrew word for manna is what is it? You know that that that's what the word manna means. What is it? And they'd go out every day and they go, what what is it? Just eat it, yeah, right? Just get a bowl and have some. It's really good. Manana bread. You know it, it's awesome. And and uh, uh, you, you know you you you're just collecting it. And when you when you first get born again, that's kind of what you shift into is is, is you end up eating the bread of uncertainty. You're not sure about anything. 
What's all this singing stuff? How come we got to stand during those songs? How come they sing that one song 97 times? What's going up with that? It doesn't make any difference. Just eat it. It's good for you. Right? You're developing a new diet because you don't want to be back where you used to be. You want to be where God's taking you. And so you have to develop an appetite for things that you ain't never had before. What's with this giving thing? Just do it. All people talk about at church is money. If everybody in the church tithes, we would never have to talk about money. So uh, don't, don't worry about that. Just, well, what's this being filled with the Holy Spirit? Don't worry about it. Just eat it. Right? Why? Because you got, you're getting a new appetite. And, and, and when God crossed them into the land that he had promised them, the Bible says it was a land that flowing with milk and honey, he changed in their diet again. And he's taking them to the place that they know they ought to be they, all their life. You do realize that all their life they had been told about the land that, that God was taking them to, a promised land, a land that flows with milk and honey. I mean, think about these little kids that, that, that had grown up in that environment that, that, you know, just for, you know, their entire life, anything that they could remember, it was manna. But man, we're going, we're going to a place, milk and honey. Yeah. You know, it's like being on a fast, just no meat, no bread, no sugar here. And we're going to Krispy Kreme. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and, and thinking about that and thinking about that and preparing for that. And, and, and now those little boys and girls growing up and they're adults and they're going into that land. And the first thing they see are the walls of Jericho. You know, it's like the closer you get to your breakthrough, the higher the walls of separation get. The Bible says that that, uh, Jericho was tightly shut up because of the people of Israel. That the closer that they got to taking that land, the more fortified the city became. They were, were, you know, batting down the hatches because here comes trouble. And and it's like the the closer you get to the promise of God, the the greater the walls of separation become. And and you're looking at the walls thinking, well, how in the world is this going to work? Because all I see is stuff that's keeping me out. Walls of depression and walls of of doubt and walls of disbelief and and, and walls of fear. And and God's calling you and leading you. And you're just looking at walls. You're you're thinking, well, I know where I need to be. It's been burning in my spirit that my God promised me household salvation. But the closer I get to household salvation, the more the walls come up. And the more, you know, when I step up, they immediately begin to tell me, now we want you coming to the house for Christmas, but we don't want you talking that Bible stuff. And you're thinking, how in the world am I going to get household salvation flowing in my life when all I see is the walls are getting taller? Well, that's because you're getting closer to your breakthrough. Because the closer you get to your promise, the more the enemy has to fortify. But you're not to look at the wall. I said you're not to look at the wall. You're just supposed to be getting ready for a change of appetite. You, you, you got you, you got to get yourself ready to, to to you know for a brand new diet. Here's the deal: is that you know where you need to be. You just don't know how to get there. Can, can I be really transparent this morning with you guys? Can can we just deal with stuff and, and, and uh, you know let's just forget about the kid glove thing. And, and, and uh, you know, just because time's short and we want to get something and we want to we want to go out and demonstrate Satan's defeat. Amen. So, uh, so, so, so let me just, let me just be me this morning and just tell you the, the, the truth that, uh, if you knew how to get where you needed to be, you'd be where you need to be. See, we're all under the impression that we got this. 
Uh, Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call unto me, and I'll answer thee, and show you great and mighty things, things which thou knowest not. One translation says, I'll show you fenced-in things, secret things, hidden things. It implies things you couldn't possibly know. God said, if you, if you call me, I, I will talk to you. And, I, and, and in that fellowship, I'll begin to reveal things to you you couldn't possibly know. Well, why aren't we going to God to get that information? Well, because we're under the impression we know everything already. When you, when you talk to God, quite often, you're not drawing from the heart of God to get information. You're telling God what you think He should do. I'm, I'm believing you for household salvation, Lord. So right now, I want you to cause little Johnny to set that pack of cigarettes down. And every time he smokes one, make him sick to his stomach. Well, that's going to help Johnny, isn't it? You're telling God how you want him to operate and... God's wanting to have a relationship with us that he can speak to us and tell us how we should operate. I got news for you. When they, when they got to that city and they got ready to march around the walls of Jericho and, and they had the promise and, and they had the word and, 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 and God, I mean, even after God himself spoke to them, uh, you know, and he said, man, you're going to go around the walls. You're going to march around these walls one time every day for six days. And, and, and don't say anything, just march around the walls. On the seventh day, you're going to march around seven times. And at the end of the seventh lap, they're going to blow a shofar. And when the shofar blasts, you're all going to shout. And let me tell you what's going to happen, guys. The walls are just going to sink down into the ground. And they're going to fall down flat. And you're going to walk right in. And you're going to take this city. And, and they're, they're, okay, we got a word from God. And they're looking at it going, say what? There's a reason. There's a reason that they didn't want them saying anything for seven days. These are people who had spent 40 years in the wilderness because they complained. They talked too much. And now, 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 whatever we do as we go in across this land, you know, we spent we sent spies here before, and they came back, and and, and ten ten of the twelve had nothing but negative stuff to say. So when we go into the land, you just keep your mouth shut. Because even with the promise, when you're looking at the situation. If you're not careful, you're going to end up speaking the wrong thing. Because it is not the way you would have done it. Can I just tell you that if I'd been in the wilderness 40 years and I'm coming into Jericho, that what I'd like to see happen is I'd like to see all the Jerichoans stand in a big line, a greeting line, and hand me their stuff and give me their keys and ask for forgiveness. I wouldn't be having myself march around the city for seven days. See, the, the promise that you want, the promise that you're believing for, the things that God's put in your heart, you probably wouldn't come up with the same plan that God has for you. And the voices that are in your life, they're not telling you this is the way God's going to do it. They're telling you, you know, you're right. You're right. The person who did you wrong, they, they ought to be over here right now begging for your forgiveness. But if you're ever going to get free, if you're ever going to get free from the damage that they've done to you, you need to go do something back to them. The world's not going to tell you to do it God's way. And a lot of us, we can't hear God speak to us. We're not in a fellowship with God where we actually are clear when it's God talking. Do you, you do realize that one of the goals in your spiritual journey is to get to the place where you can actually hear God? 
One man told me one day, he said, I get, I, I get a little bit nervous hanging out with people who talk to God. And I said, I get nervous hanging out with people who don't. I need to know when the Holy Spirit's moving me to stop in the middle of my day and do something I hadn't planned because it's going to make a difference. Uh, you, you know, pe- people, people in the chair compromise. You know, what, what they end up doing is, is they end up making statements like, well, God, God doesn't really speak to everybody. You're settling for a life that's separated when you could be sitting in a chair of commitment where you're expecting God to give you direction, insight, revelation. You know, the deal is, is that uh, Revelation 3.20, check this out. Revelation 3.20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice opens the door. I will come into him and dine with him, he with me. He said, I, I'm going to come have fellowship. We're going to have some fellowship. I'm going to fellowship with people who can hear my voice, who will open the door. How do you open the door? Well, you simply do what he said. And, and uh, you know, wh- when you can hear his voice, he said, we're going to have some fellowship. Don't you realize that the heart of God is pulling on, on you today to draw you into a place where you have fellowship with him, where he can, where he can, Speak into your life. I'm not talking about you're walking down the hall and you're he- hearing an audible voice, you know, Todd. Todd. No, I'm talking about where you're going through your day and something on the inside and it's so clear. Stop. Look over there. See that person right there. And, and, and you're, you, you have the ability to, to, to obey and to realize that at the end of this the instruction, there's going to be blessing. There's going to be breakthrough. There's, there's going to, there's going to be more than, more than you could desire. That's a place that God wants to take us. Check this verse out. Go to Joshua 24. We used this a few weeks ago. It says, so fear the Lord and serve Him wholeheartedly. Fear the Lord. It's not being afraid of Him. It's, it's having a, a, a reverence for Him above any and all. That, that your heart is inclined towards God. That you wouldn't do anything or allow anything or develop anything that would break your fellowship with Him. See, today I, I, I just want to point out to you that uh, there, there are things in your life, maybe, maybe it's not going to keep you out of heaven, but it could keep you out of fellowship. There are things in your life that, 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 that God wants to deal with and, and that, you would, that you would have more passion for your fellowship with Him than you did for any other activity in your world. And He said, fear the Lord and serve Him wholeheartedly. No, no more half-hearted serving God. You know, that chair of compromise, that's what that is. is that's a half-hearted service to God. I'm going to live to please God as long as it fits my schedule. I'm going to live to please God as long as it's really comfortable for me. I'm never going to move outside my comfort zone. How many of you know that when, when God is getting ready to, to do something new, there's usually a level of discomfort. This new diet thing is, is not always comfortable. Developing a new appetite is not always easy. It doesn't always feel good, but when God's taking you someplace new, there's always a threshold of discomfort you've got to deal with. If you don't believe me, ask any one of the mothers in the room. When something's being birthed, there's a level of discomfort that comes right before that precious little product. Hello? 
You know, very, very, you, you don't see very many women at the at the end of the uh, of the you know at the end of the pregnancy as they're getting ready to go into the labor room to give birth. You don't see them, you, you know, putting on their finest and and the doing the makeup and prancing down the hallway. No, they get hauled in on a gurney, right? You know, they're laying there in their bed. They don't care what their face looks like, and you have to make sure that all shop objects have been removed from the room because somebody's getting ready to manifest up in here. There's a level of discomfort, but the thing that's coming is worth that threshold. Serve the Lord wholeheartedly. Put away forever. Everybody say forever. That's the key word. Put away forever the idols that that your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates. Serve the Lord alone. Man, I hope that you'll highlight that phrase in, in, you know, on your iPad, that you'll circle it in your Bible, that, that you, that maybe this is, maybe this is the verse that, uh, that you're just going to condense a little bit this week and begin to weave it to the fabric of your soul so that I'm going to fear God and serve Him wholeheartedly. I'm going to serve the Lord alone. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fear the Lord and serve Him wholeheartedly. I'm gonna serve the Lord alone. That He would be the only one that gets to sit on the throne of my life. That there would not be any competition for Him in my world. See, I want to hear His voice. It is not that God cannot compete with other voices. It's that God will not compete with other voices. And we're asking God to speak into us and to give us direction. But we've got so many other voices that are speaking into our life. And they're not telling us what God would say. Because i got to tell you something. Most people don't have a clue what God would say. Which is why we have such a dependency for Him. God's told us that, you know what, wherever you go, I'm going to be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You're never going to be on your own. I'm here today to tell you something. I got help. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you need help. Tell him, okay, you know, we, we got help. God, God's with us, right? The Lord is on my side. And, and, and he's, he's, he's there. But I, but I got to tell you something. He, he, he's going he, to want you to remember how much you need him. Call me, and I'll answer you. Talk to me. Have fellowship with me. We've got so many voices. There's so much stuff. You know, and and, and we're kind of under the impression that, you know, well, you know, seven, eight years ago, I I was in in, in a... uh, coffee shop across the street, uh, you know, Espresso World. And I was there with one of my friends, and who had been in ministry for a long time. And we were we were talking, and uh, uh, had to be probably like eight years ago. We're over there, and and we're visiting, and and uh, uh, and we're talking about grace. And 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 he made this statement. He said, "Man, you ought to teach on grace." I, he said, "I've never heard anybody really teach on grace." And now eight years later, you know, the only message that's really prominent out there, grace. And we're under the impression that because of this amazing grace, that it's Katie bar the door. You can live any way you want to. And, and what can separate us from the love of God? Neither height, nor depth, nor width, nor breadth, nor any other creature. That's true. 
But that's, you know, but, you know, when I confess my sins, he's faithful and just, and he forgives me and cleanses me from all unrighteousness. I am holy and righteous and blameless in the sight of God. That's true, but that's salvation forgiveness. What about fellowship forgiveness? What about the things that are in your life? What about the idols? It said remove all the idols forever, not for a weekend, but forever. See, I think most of us have had moments of real freedom, moments of breakthrough, where we've realized that there's something in our life that's separating us from our intimate relationship, our intimate fellowship with God. And we come to an altar, we have a breakthrough, we get free, and we go out. But then, we t- but then we're telling ourselves, because of the grace of God, that we can live however we want and we're okay with God. I'm telling you, there's stuff It won't keep you out of heaven, but it will keep you out of fellowship. And without fellowship with God, you can't have instruction from God. Well, I'm reading the Bible. Yeah, but you're not getting revelation knowledge. Why? You know, this has really been one of the, one of the, 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 the main goals of my fast this year is to press in because I want, to, I want God to bring me revelation how to lead people into a place of insane victory. I don't want our families being torn apart by the schemes of a defeated devil. I don't want our children ending up in the third chair. God, what's going on? And God has been talking to me about the fact that we have broken fellowship with Him. That there's things in our life that we need to get out. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. The firm foundation laid by God stands sure and unshaken, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are His. God knows whether you're His or not. He knows if, if you're not really His. It's one thing to get a t-shirt that says, I belong to God. It's another thing to belong to God. Hello? He said, look at it. It said, the Lord knows those who are His. And let everyone who names himself by the name of the Lord give up all iniquity and stand aloof from it. He said, look at it. Who, who, who is supposed to, you know, to get their life clean? Everyone who names himself by the name of the Lord. Look at verse 21. Whoever cleanses himself from that which is unclean, who, he who separates himself from contact with contaminating and corrupting influences, will then himself be a vessel set apart, useful, honorable, consecrated, profitable to the master, fit and ready for every good work. Look, whoever cleanses himself and separates himself, that God said, then I will set him apart. You know, uh, uh, the, remember in Acts when they were, they were fasting and they were praying and then the Holy Ghost spoke and he said, separate unto me these gentlemen for the call unto which I have called them, for the work unto which I have called them. You do realize that you're called by God. I said you're called by God. And when God calls us out, we're supposed to live a separated life. Remember when it says, you know, come out from among them and be ye separate. It's not better than. It's just living a life that's different than, other than. It's a, it's a holy life. And really, it boils down, and, and we start talking about holiness, and all of a sudden, you know, rules and regulations and, and, and bad habits. And quite frankly, you know, I'm not talking about the camels you have hidden in, in the refrigerator out in the garage. I'm talking about the stuff that's in your heart. 
that God wants to remove the attitudes and the, and the brokenness that he needs to separate and the influences that are making your decisions. He wants, he wants that removed so that he can come in and he can have that place where he is leading and guiding you to the God life he's called you to. You ever cleaned out your garage? A few, few months ago, you know, when it was warm, decided I'm going to tackle the garage. The garage is the place where you should be able to park a car. Right? That's what it was made for. Isn't it kind of weird? Americans <laughs> rent space off-site to store stuff they don't use. You know, we got storage units full of stuff that we haven't seen in years. And we, we pay for that. Just another thought. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> uh, well, Shelby and I, one year, w- when we moved into the house that we're in, uh, we, we had boxed up, obviously, everything. We, we'd written, we'd labeled all the boxes as well as we could, and we put them out in the garage, and we made a deal that when we got to the new house, we're taking the furniture in, we're going to take the kitchen items in, but we're not bringing a box in unless there's something inside that box that is absolutely necessary. And six months later, we had a garage sale. Ever had a $3,500 garage sale? I mean, just because we had boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff that was obviously we didn't even need it. We didn't ever use it. We didn't ever go looking for it. A few months ago, started cleaning out the garage. It's really kind of cool when you're cleaning out the garage, you start finding stuff you haven't seen in years. Oh, there's, there's that. I've always wanted, you know, that, that's cool. You need to run that down to the storage unit. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and, and you're just moving all of this stuff, and you got all of this stuff, and it's like it's it's kind of like the spirit of a hoarder is upon us, you know. And, and we've got all of this stuff, and and, and stockpiles of stuff. You know, I'm not real mechanical. You know, I I, I can live with, you know. I really don't need much. I got one of those little toolkits from Costco with, you know, all the pieces in it and the telephone. I can call people who can actually fix stuff. And, uh, but, the, but the tools look cool. And, and you know, but, but, but I, got, I got so much stuff out there, you know, just stockpiles of stuff I don't need. And, and uh, uh, you're cleaning it out and suddenly you just realize this is how we live. And I'm not talking about a stock pile of seed or a stockpile of cash or a stockpile of, you know, food and a pain. I'm talking about a stockpile of sin in our lives that we just pushed off to the side. Some of it's stuff we haven't even seen in years, but we're hanging on to it. Because, you know, someday I might need that because, you know, that guy that, that, that made me mad? I, I'll go out and tear out the garage and find that anger. I have a memento from from that experience. We have attitudes and activities in our life that have taken the place of God. And I believe that God's calling us, saying, you know what I want you to do? I want you to remove the stockpile of sin so that we can have some fellowship. Come here, Todd. Rhymes with God. Remember, remember last week the the holiness, the purity, illustration. I don't want you to forget that. We get all freaked out over a bottle of water. Somebody's lips have touched it. You know, God gets a little messed up with this purity thing too. 
He wants you pure. And it's going to be hard to use your imagination. This is God. And so God and I start having this conversation. Let's say that we're talking about family life. See, I'm going to serve the Lord wholeheartedly. And I'm going to serve the Lord alone. He's the only, he, don't, not him, but God. He's, he's the only voice, the number one voice. Any voice that disagrees with this voice, I can't listen to that voice. I've got to listen to this voice. Because I know what you're thinking, remove the idols forever. I don't have a golden pig out in the garage that I'm bowing down and lighting incense to, but you've got idols in your life. And, you, you know, and, and God and I, we're, we're talking about family life and, and, and how I want to raise my boys and how I want my, my, my boys to be men after God's own heart. And then, come here, Evan. And, and so I'm talking to God, and, and then all of a sudden, come here, just stand between me and God. And then my own child comes and starts giving me his input on how I ought to lead him. And... God's trying to talk to me. God wants to talk to me. But every time God says something, my child says, no, that ain't right. God says, you know what? If you trust me, I can reach into his life. And he says, it ain't going to happen. When I start listening to him, all of a sudden, my children have become an idol. Come here, T. They get in on the chorus, don't they? And they're coming in. We're just talking about family life and about how to raise our, how to raise our kids. And all of a sudden, I've got to tell you something right about it. At this point, God actually stops talking. And I'm trying to hear from God, but I've allowed too many other voices in. Now, it'd be one thing if they, if they understood. It'd be one thing if, if, if they knew the, the, where we were going. But we just don't know how to get there. See, we could all sit around a table and agree on where we're going. But we have to agree we don't know how to get there. And so we have to be willing to take God and, and, and to, to willfully allow God to stand in this spot. But when, but when they take him and, 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 you know, guys, just start fighting for your spot over here. Just, just get your spot. God, you're not fighting to get away. You're fighting to stay. But this isn't going to work. Okay. Uh, but you kind of get the picture. And then we have these moments where he's back over here. But then all of a sudden, you know, it's not them fighting. It's we start, well, we, we have this, this wall of separation that comes between us and our promise. And we start reaching out and we start pulling people back in. And we, we say, come on, don't, don't, don't be way down there. Come on, you're my favorite. No, wait a minute. You're my, you're my favorite. No, just stay, just stay with me. No, I think it's you. I'm not sure. Shelby, come here. Come here real quick. Here comes my favorite. <laughs> okay. My family becomes my idol. And we're getting farther and farther from God. We're telling ourselves we're serving God. But we're so caught up in our own conversation, we don't even listen to God. You don't think you have any idols? You're believing for household salvation. But you're worried about the response of your children. 
or the response of your spouse when you should be worried because you haven't seen a response from God in so long. And the fact that you have not seen a response from God in so long isn't because God isn't responding. It's because you're so far away from Him now. There's too many other voices. He's a gentleman. It's, a, it's that still, small voice. How are you going to hear that still, small voice? Because really, it, it, to make the concept better, really, where we started and where we are is actually farther from where we wanted to be. Thanks, guys. Stay here, God. Come here. Stay right here. It applies in every realm. I want to lead the church. I want to run my business. I want to develop. But then you start, come here, Keith. But but you start getting other voices. You start getting other influences. And you start getting things that come up in your life that begin to, again, to move you down. I could have guys come. We could go all the way down. But what we need to be for each other. What we need to be for, for each other are people who, who uh, I, I just, c- c- come here, Greg. Hopefully you guys can pick up on this and it won't take all day to give you a lesson how to do it. Uh, come here, Ryan. What we want to be people, we want to be people who don't stand between each other and God. But we want to be people who, who willfully make sure that we're in a fellowship with God. And, and if you've got people in your life who won't be willfully pushing you into this intimacy, if they fight and struggle for their position, then you need to get them off the platform of your life. See, because there's something different. There's something, there's something different when God says, come out from among them and be these separate. What he's talking about is don't be like the world. Don't think like they think. Don't act like they act. Don't communicate like they communicate. Be different. Separate yourself from that so you can hear my voice. Because I want to come in and I want to have fellowship with you. I, 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 I want to have intimacy with you. I, I, I want to be able for, to just talk to you and you to understand my voice. Thanks, guys. There's, there's things in our lives that need to be put away. He whoever cleanses himself. God said, you know what? That's a guy. That's a gal. Who's going to be usable. Who's going to be honorable in the kingdom, in the house. That's a guy. That's a first chair guy. That's, not, that's how the first chair lives. You know, think, think about it in the realm of health. Then God's talking to you. And you got your doctor. And you got, you, we're not against the doctors. But... I'm telling you, I'm pretty sure if you look, you'll find a doctor who will help you stay with God. I mean, aren't we blessed? We, you know, we, we got one of the best of them, you know, right here on the front row in the house. He can help you find a doctor who will help you keep God on the throne. And you can find people who will help you remember to hear God first, you know, because if you listen to the other voices, you, you know, there's nothing worse than when you find out you're sick, you're in the hospital, and you wake up, and there's uh, you, all your family standing around the foot of the bed with shovels in their hand. That does not give a big picture of hope. You know, you need some voices that will say, hey, when you said, as for me and my house, I'll be part of your house. And will serve God 
alone. Let's get God back on the throne of our life. Let's take the stuff out of the garage, you know, in order, in order to make room for something. You're probably going to have to get rid of something else. You know, hey, if it means I, can't, I just can't go there anymore. I'm not going to do that movie. I'm not going there. I'm not putting that stuff inside this vessel. Why? Because I'm trying to clean up my communication with God. Haven't been hearing from God clearly. Can't really discern the voice of God. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set that stuff down. Hey guys, what if you actually had to put down the Xbox for a couple of hours and spend a couple of hours in the presence of God? Reestablish that connection. Hey, what, what if you had to tell some, you know, well, you know, tell some of your friends, I, I, I'm not going to be able to go clubbing with you tonight. Well, I'm looking for a man. You ain't going to find a good one there anyways. I'm going I'm to find the man and get this relationship going again. Huh? I, I'm going to get this thing going again. Uh, you know, I'm not just going to push, the, you know, uh, religion out here. I'm not going to push rules. No, I want to enter. I want to invite you to a new introduction to fellowship. That you, you're so in tune that you can tell what's disrupting it. That you, instead of walking down the road and finding out several months later that you haven't heard God in a while, that you'd know it today. Something's come in my life today. It's cut off fellowship. It's a whole lot easier to figure out how to handle it. If I don't let 24 years go by, if I make sure in the last 24 hours I've had intimacy with God. Amen.